Welcome to Remotely Creative, a RimCAD podcast where we talk to artists, designers, and wildcards about how they're surviving in the era of COVID-19 isolation. I'm your host, Rob Flattery. Carolyn Malachi is a Grammy Award-nominated performing artist, sound engineer, and educator. When she's not releasing albums, she researches the intersections of sonification and blockchain technology and advocates for women within the music industry's technical professions. Carolyn, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Rob. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, it's Labor Day right now. This will come out after Labor Day, um, but it's supposed to be a day of rest, but it never is, right? <laughs> never. Never. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your background Who, for those of us who aren't so familiar? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from Washington, D.C., I am um, I'm an artist and educator and an engineer. I mix records. Nice. Yeah. It's always busy, right? Yes, but I am living my dream. So I, I guess you could say it's, it's work, but it is the most fulfilling work ever. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's only work if you hate it. And if you like it, it's just doing what you love. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. So, um, and you teach at Howard? Yes, yes, very proudly at Howard University. The, the HU, the real HU. The HU, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what's going on? Is Howard started, are they doing online classes, hybrid? Yeah, we're all online. And two of the three classes that I teach are production classes. So as you can imagine, that's very, very uh, interesting. But I, I actually kind of like this format because it's forced, um, it's definitely forced us to look at what we do in a, a very like contemporary, you know, guerrilla kind of context. And so I'm enjoying that and my students are really enjoying that. And uh, yeah, just trying to do what we do, but um, in another way in this time period it's been a really good opportunity for, for that definitely so how are things in dc is is covid cases up or civil uh, unrest up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh here folks are really trying to uh, manage yeah everybody's just trying to manage and uh, caring for for those who need care and um taking time for self-care when folks can get it. Um, These are very interesting times, to say the least. Yeah, hopefully everybody gets through it okay. It seems uh, pretty nuts. And I can't believe that it's been over six months since we've been kind of in quarantine and just kind of reliving the same day over and over and over again. Um, Days of the week don't mean anything to me anymore, so just kind of sitting in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think folks like you and I are very fortunate, like we can sit in the basement and, and work and, and do what we need to do. But there are a lot of folks who don't have that luxury. And so, you know, my, I'm always thinking of them. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a crazy time. I hope everybody makes it out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, the music industry is suffering as well. What's the biggest COVID-related obstacle that you faced as an artist? You know, a lot of artists are struggling with not having physical music venues to play in. 
and in the digital space, um, it's, it's all very strange, especially if you're used to performing in front of audiences you can hear and, and touch and, you know, see individual uh, characteristics versus just seeing one, one mass uh, on your screen. But that's, you know, that's honestly been the biggest interruption to um, economic stability for a lot of musicians, for folks who made careers out of, you know, playing those, those nightly gigs and, and doing the tours. And it's not just musicians, it's also the engineers, it's the venue owners and venue staff, and just, you know, continues to go on down the line. So uh, I know uh, folks like myself and other members of uh, the Recording Academy and, you know, our vast membership, we've, you know, just had our, our district advocacy day. And a lot of us, you know, were able to talk to our congressional representatives about you know some bills we'd like to see passed, particularly those um, extending the unemployment benefits to musicians, to folks who work in sort of this like non-traditional space. And then I know in DC, um, we are trying to uh, you know draw awareness, especially to when it comes to uh, city council, uh, getting them to support uh, local music venues of of all sizes. So. Yeah, it's been what, a challenge for a lot of musicians. For sure. No, I, I don't doubt it. So what was it like to Zoom with Congress about getting some relief? Was that weird? No, it wasn't weird at all. And, you know, uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, who is, you know, our, our like, chief flag bearer from D.C., uh, she, throughout my life, has been just a very warm and honest and straightforward and, and frank person and uh you know talking to her was just like every other conversation I've, I've had with her which is you know you know her saying i'm going to get it done and she she she's still in office because she has a record of, of fighting you know for us for the local folks so it was that conversation was exactly what i expected it to be which was genuine and and very focused nice so, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you said you're mixing records. Um, mm -hmm. That's one thing that seems to p be popping up more and more. People have a lot of tracks that they've produced or uh, sure. done, but they just haven't got them finished. Are you seeing a lot of work mixing right now? Oh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that because, you know, you know musicians are, we're creative people. And so for those of us who maybe had work that was just you know sitting around and we weren't sure what we were going to do with it a lot of us are you know listening to that old work and going hmm this could this is old to me but it could be new and i could get it you know finished or I could, you know play parts you know do some small things to get it ready for the next step so yeah i'm seeing um, and i'm i'm hearing rather some really brilliant work like all the work that i'm getting for you know mixing records it's from like either bands or um, you know single musicians who sort of do all the production themselves, and a lot of what I'm hearing is taking me back to like you know Herbie Hancock. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just really a joy to mix. Like you know I'm getting records that sound like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and um, I I get to be here listening to all of that and you know bringing uh, allowing every single characteristic of 
and you know each instrument to to shine and i'm very happy to you know, have have the skills <laughs> to be able to do that and um the passion for it for sure awesome so what can you know what can the rest of us do to help support the music industry right now mm -hmm. you can definitely definitely uh well there's a few things so first you know for me and you know for other musicians you can definitely listen to your favorite artists or any independent artist music on platforms that pay high royalty rates so if you don't have title go ahead and get title and listen to music on title if you have spotify let's just you know listen to listen to our music over and over again because while we're not performing in venues um, there is still a very i want to use the word thriving and healthy but <laughs> there's there's still a, a a system that delivers royalty payments to independent artists right so it's not a whole lot but if an artist can get their record you know, streamed or you know if they can get somebody to play it a million times you know artists get compensated for that so i think the one thing you can do to have the most tangible impact on an artist and if you do this and it would be super low lift for you it's just to listen to and love our music and tell a friend and tell another friend and if fm radio is still you know something you listen to you know tweet your local radio station ask them to play because you know a terrestrial radio spins satellite or xm radio spins streaming like all of these things really help in terms of you know economic support for the people who make who make uh music so you can definitely do that you can find out you know what you can do to help your local music venues because there are so many who have you know first they closed temporarily and a lot of them now are closed permanently so ask your local music venues what you can do to be supporting them because when this is all done you know musicians like myself we want to you know come back whole we don't want to you know come back to a an even more fractured um ecosystem for us so, so yeah yeah and um what about buying like physical physical records physical cds um yeah, merch. I mean, you can definitely buy, you know, buy band merch. That's definitely uh, a way you can support musicians. I guess I didn't think of that because I don't really sell a lot of merch. But um, you can, <laughs> for me, again, the best thing to do is just to try to trip the algorithms up. Like just, just spin an artist records time and time again. It'll take them like three or four months to get paid, but at least, you know, you can you can start doing your part that way. But yeah, merch is a thing. If if you're if the band you love sell merch, they sell t-shirts, hats, vinyls, physical CDs, stickers. <laughs> I don't know what else folks are selling out there. Um, but you, that's definitely a way for you to support you know, the artist you love. You can do it. Yeah, I, I assume soon people will be selling kidneys and uh, any, sort of, <laughs> any sort of thing they can get, get out to, to stay uh, afloat. Yeah, maybe um, not. And some artists, they also teach lessons. Like they teach, you can get a guitarist who can teach you online or a drummer and like try to think very broadly about, you know, you and your skills. A lot of us are at home and we're working uh, daily, you know, face to face and we're just sitting 
face to face on Zoom or we're just like, you know, by ourselves and our on our laptops. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the work day, some of us, you know, struggle to find things to do to stay active. So if you love music and maybe you want to learn a little bit more about a particular instrument, now's a really great time to hit up an independent musician who teaches and ask, you know, can can you take lessons with them? Like you would be doing yourself a favor by pursuing your interests, but then you would also be supporting the musician by compensating them for their time and their skill. Nice. Yeah, when I was in grad school, I took piano lessons at 30, mm -hmm. 32 years old. Um, I, I think everyone else that my piano teacher who was a another grad student every every other student he taught was like eight so you know i'm a 30 year old uh it was great you know i i played piano when i was a kid and my parents made the um you know made me choose between piano and baseball Aww. of course you know obviously that worked out in my favor i'm a professional baseball player i am not um you know and i chose I chose poorly, I think. Um, and that's something that's always kind of haunted me. So I, I got, why do you think you it. chose poorly? Um, I don't, I chose poorly because I thought baseball, I don't know. I think it had to do with, um, there was other people on the team as where like, that was my motivation was like to have friends. I don't, I don't <laughs> know anybody who was on the baseball team when I was a kid. Mm. Um, but I think that's why that's why I went that way. My dad was mm. military, so he was always gone. So my mom really couldn't just, you know, drive me to baseball and music mm. lessons. So I had to make mm. that choice. Mm. Um, but, you know, 30 years old, I picked it back up again, played for a few years. Um, I know enough to get me in trouble. I know enough <laughs> to what I need to do. I'd like to, you know, take more lessons. I just don't have the time. Mm. Um, and a big thing for, for Zoom world is, you know, in addition to this being my studio, this is also uh, where I work all day, every day. So when I get done with work, I don't necessarily want to, you know, flip around to the other side and, mm -hmm. and start working on other things. So it's mm -hmm. just kind of like, I need that separation again. So sure. Sure. We'll, we'll get there one day, might be 2022, but we'll get there. <laughs> Baby steps. Now, exactly. Now's a great time to try to, you know, master something, so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, a lot of people are doing home renovation projects, apparently. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went and bought some some wood um, at Home Depot a couple weeks ago, and I had to go to like three different Home Depots and two Lowe's to find it because everything sold out. Mm -hmm. And the, I got treated lumber, so outdoor lumber. The lumber I got was like milled two days before, it had a stamp on it, it was two days old. It is the oh, wow. heaviest lumber in the entire world because they pressure treat it and it weighs like 400 pounds. And you wow. screw, put screws in it and just drips all this stuff out. So won't be painting or staining it for six months <laughs> until it dries. Until but it dries out, right. Yeah, every, everybody seems to be doing something. So that's good. Um, mm -hmm. I, I worry about people just being over everything that's happening um, and just going back out and then it's going to, recycle into more sickness and uh more death and mm. I, that's that's what worries me yeah yeah um so tell me a little bit about women take the stage oh yeah that was like a very interesting effort produced by 
um, a sister friend by the name of Allie. Um, she's the bassist and vocalist for the group uh, Betty. And, you know, I, you know, my role when it came to that concert was like, man, pretty small. Like she asked if I could you know, contribute a performance to help raise awareness uh, about the importance of voting, especially when it comes to women. Because um, we know when we vote, change happens. And it was really beautiful to see that come together, especially in this, you know, digital space. I'm constantly amazed by what people can do when we look at what's available to us and, you know, think about all these elements creatively. So. I mean, the final project, <clears throat> the final final product was just this amazing like collage of speakers and activists and performers, um, all speaking, you know, speaking different parts of the same message, which is go vote. You know, election is coming up, go vote. But specifically, women, we need to go to the polls. Yeah, definitely. I I I hope that you know this kind of intersection that you've kind of worked through the music and activism. I hope that does have um, a lasting effect, not just on this election, but everything down the line. You're, you're in DC, you get to see all the, the craziness with the, the politics. So are you in DC proper? Yeah, I'm a DC native. DC nice. Proper. Yeah. Awesome. And Howard, you're at Howard University. You, you lost one of your alumni recently, very publicly. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, do you work in the art building? Apparently they're renaming the arts building. Uh, I'm in the School of Communications. Okay. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think they're renaming the arts building after Chadwick Boseman, which I think is pretty neat. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, everybody I've ever met from Howard is ride or die Howard University. So. <laughs> You know, I am disappointed you're not wearing a Howard sweatshirt, but it might be a little bit uh, warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This actually, um, before we started, I was mixing a record and I looked up, it was like 3.12. So, <laughs> you know, only a few minutes to kind of like comb my hair out. So, yeah, no Howard sweatshirt <laughs> today. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's all right. I so Hopefully I'm still bringing the sunshine. You know? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so... Uh, what, you know, going back to the, the activism, what keeps you grounded when you, you know, balance all this involvement in so many organizations and initiatives that you're working with? Um, <clears throat> you know, some, hmm. you know, my, I think the best way to answer your question is just to say that I just try to, you know, be myself and <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes in, you know, just walking my walk, talking my talk, I am called to do certain things and it's always, you know, my option to say no. It's always, you know, an option to say yes. So for me, it's it's less, it's less of trying to manage everything. It's more about me 
focusing on what I'm willing to say yes to. And managing that and learning how to do that recently has been really a blessing. And I had to, in order to achieve balance, you know, my dad always says balance is the key to life. And he's <laughs> always said that my whole life, but now that I've grown, I know what it means. <laughs> and, you know, part of establishing some kind of equilibrium, especially when it comes to you know, capacity and you know, my ability to be present, a lot of that means saying no sometimes and being okay and understanding that like no is a complete sentence and so is yes so for me it's about knowing that if i say yes to something then i'm agreeing to give myself to that situation like without any distractions um and if i say no then i'm i'm deciding that i'm going to use that time to do something else. And so honoring that decision and, you know, being strong, you know, when it comes to the yes or the no, that's, that's really helped a lot. I'm still growing into that, that, that new freedom, I guess. Nice. I, yeah. The ability to say no is something that, mm -hmm. that comes with age, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes you still say yes. And sometimes you mean to say no. Like you're on this podcast. You probably wanted to say no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure at first. And then I, I met you and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this, this guy's cool. Let's do this. He's cool. Yeah, I'm just, like a, just a laid back guy. So <laughs> make lots of jokes about uh, fast food. I talk a lot about fast food. I'm trying to think. What? How it's so good for you? I, I just I just like junk food i don't know what's Why? the what's the what's the pizza place joe squared up there and that's baltimore area that's baltimore yeah yeah mm -hmm. we so. have a lot of and pizzas down here yeah what what's what's dc i'm trying to think i've been to dc probably a dozen times and i can't uh -huh. tell you one thing that i ever ate that is memorable oh well you know quintessential dc cuisine the half smoke but one must also get uh, you know, chicken with mumbo sauce. What is you know, mumbo it, sauce? You know what? That's a great question. And if anybody tells you they know exactly what it is, they're lying. They're lying? Okay. It is, a, it is the stuff of God. It is the stuff of legend. It is an amazing sauce. One can only get from the carry out proper all right there's some folks who say i mean i mean i can't front there's this brand i think their name is called capital capital city mambo it's pretty good it's pretty good i can't lie they 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 have figured it out but nobody else has yeah, now i'm hungry is it just like fr <laughs> fried chicken or is it like chicken tenders or yeah i mean i mean everybody's taste buds are different but any chicken but you know mumbo sauce the sauce is the thing the okay. sauce is the thing. And then DC also has really great Ethiopian food. Okay. Amazing Ethiopian food. DC's become quite a food city. Like Jose Andres has a few places in the area. Um, I really like his uh, mini bar. 
I really like Mini Bar. That's a good, good place to go as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of donut shops in DC too, right? Like, isn't there like a whole donut? If you like sweets, you might enjoy them. Okay. Yeah, you you might. You really, really might. Well, I thought there was like a whole underground donut scene there. Maybe that was a few years ago. I'm not into it, you know, but there are definitely donut people. But, you know, for me, for the sweets, it's got to be like dangerously delicious pies. Like dangerously delicious pies. I think they changed their name a while back. I think they're just dangerous pies. But they used to be dangerously delicious pies. Or maybe I added the delicious because they are delicious. <laughs> delicious. All right. Yeah, or dangerous pies. Yeah, look them up there. Yeah, good. All right, I'm trying to think the next time I'll be in D.C. I'm going to have to hit you up to plan out my cuisine before Listen, I'm there. <laughs> we, can, we can do this because I like food and so does my husband. So we can definitely all awesome. go out to eat in a very you know socially distant and safe outdoor atmosphere <laughs> yeah have, have you been doing the outdoor dining have you yep. you ventured mm-hmm. out um we just just started going out my wife and i about two three weeks ago mm-hmm. um she works in senior living so it's like oh um, yeah so it's it was my life was affected by her life and her job <laughs> so i couldn't do anything which was fine mm-hmm. um but you know, we, we went out and ate outside and we're like, okay, this isn't bad. And so we've mm-hmm. been, we've done that a couple times, yeah. a lot of takeout, a lot of cooking at home yeah. and by cooking, I mean, um, eating things up that are already prepared for you, but whatever. whatever. <laughs> we like to cook, but it's just time yeah, consuming. So it's just time consuming. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, all right. You, you sparked something when you said dangerously does delicious and then changing names what is it with dc sports teams always having to change their names i don't know when it comes to the nba and the wizards i'm not sure but as far as the washington football team that change was due yeah yeah i think that i think that one makes makes a lot more sense i still don't understand the bullets to the wizards yeah, I don't, you know, I need to read up on that. That's a piece of DC history that, you know, I don't have. And, and, you know, I'm sure there are folks who will watch this and be like, you don't know. And I'm just telling you now, I don't know. Um, I think it had to do with like gang violence and shootings and, uh, you know, but. I mean, okay, but they were the bullets when they were in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. I, I don't know. But the most recent name change was. Uh, was overdue, way overdue. Yeah, I, I also like that they can't actually settle on a name because apparently one guy bought the copyright or trademarked every single Genius. possible name. Genius. Genius. When I read about that, I was just like, I should have been doing the same thing. Brilliant. Like people were, it, it was just right there for the taking. People were throwing out names. And I bet you this guy was like, that one, that one. That one is just brilliant, brilliant. So I guess he's uh, he has to make merchandise for every uh, for every name. Um, I don't know. I wonder how it goes. Like if you register a trademark, you have to prove that it is it like the business is in operation or that the brand is you know currently in business. I'm not sure how that goes. Yeah, I. Uh, I 
I just read about it and I was like, wow, this guy is so smart. And, and you know, uh, then the, you can buy like t-shirts of all the names that he has registered. Okay, so yeah, you must have to. That's like, you have people who just buy up domain names. I, I, I have friend, a friend of mine, her domain like expired because she was out of the country mm -hmm. and didn't renew it. And then um, it was her name. Um, mm -hmm. And she just got it back, and that's been eleven years. Oh my Somebody gosh! Squatted on it for eleven years, and you know, kept trying to jack the price up. And it's her name is pretty common, but not common enough that it's like mm -hmm. Joe Smith, where everybody mm -hmm. would want it. Mm -hmm. um, so she she just got it back, and I was like, well, I guess persistence pays off a little bit. Mm, that's sad. Yeah, I'm interested mm -hmm. to see what Washington does. I I feel they're. They're I don't low. care until they start winning games. You can call yourself whatever you want, as long as it's not like <laughs> racially or culturally insensitive. But until y'all start, yeah, I have such a beef. I mean, I, I have such a beef, but you know, whatever. whatever. Have they ever won? I mean, I know Yeah. They, there was a, a good season a few years ago, but then. They won back in the 80s. I think they went all the way in the 80s. Okay. I'm pretty sure they did. I mean, I was. Yeah, a toddler, but I'm pretty sure they did. I think they did either late 80s, early, early 90s. I think I remember um, yeah. because that's when I figured out that it was in D.C. and not in Washington State. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, technically, uh, Landover, Maryland, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, yeah. the New York Jets play in New Jersey and the Giants play in New Jersey. So we don't have to get into that. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh, you released a cover of phoebe snow's song poetry man was that recorded in quarantine did you record it was it? Re recorded prior to quarantine okay but i you know i mixed the record myself here <laughs> in this space uh which was not the original plan, you know, originally I wanted to, you know, kind of collab with another mixing engineer because it, it can be very difficult to be objective uh, mm -hmm. when it's you. Uh, and I was also kind of at, you know, not in a, a really good place when it comes to gear, like I'm in a really good place right now, but it was just like a very weird time frame and I was, you know, still very much trying to figure this out just like everybody else. And so, um, you know, mixing the song myself really, you know, just proved to be an outlet, you know, for me just working at it every day and then, you know, sending people runs in the mix, like for them to hear it and go, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no like people whose, whose ears are really trusted. And I just did it over and over again until you know, at one point I was like, I'm just gonna kind of trust my ears. Like I know technically things that I need to fix. So just at one point I stripped everything from the session and just like started from scratch and you know, really just you know honed in and focused on very basic, you know, rudimentary things. And, you know, got the mix to a place where I was super confident and it felt good. And I, uh, you know, went through that same process again, played it for some people, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, I knew it, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then when I was uh, finished with the mix, I sent it off to uh, 
a really great mastering engineer, Piper Payne. And uh, it's, I mean, it was done and then I put it out, but I just keep, I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm very, very proud of the arrangement. It's my arrangement of the song. And it's a really cool, like, it's a very cool composition. I love my arrangement. And it's also like, it's a, it has like a folky vibe, but it's also like a traditional R&B song mm -hmm. as well. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's feel good music. And um, it was very much a challenge. And uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, it, it feels good to me. It makes me happy. And now the, the, the uh, <laughs> funny thing that happens now is like whenever it comes on, like my grandma's listening to the radio or if it, you know, pops up on her, her Spotify, um, she'll like send a text. Um, she, <laughs> she calls my husband poetry man now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> she was like, it sounds so good. I know, I know she was thinking of you when she mixed it. I was like, yeah, I was definitely That's thinking awesome. of my boo. Even though the song is sad, but it's all, it's beautiful at the same time. Yeah, what inspired you to pick that song? Um, that's a good question. So I had like no intentions on working on a, a Phoebe Snow record. Um, we were out somewhere. Oh, yeah, I, I played a show. I played a Seder. <laughs> I played a Seder, yeah. And um, yeah, it was like me, Judy, Judy Gold, uh, Betty was there. Some other folks were there. It was like a really, really beautiful event. And um, I played and then like somebody at the end of the show was like, you remind me of a young Phoebe Snow. I was like, mm, let me go listen to some Phoebe Snow music. And then I, like, I was just listening to the records. I was like, I really love this song. Let me you know, call some musicians up. And then, you know, the right people said yes. And they played so beautifully. I mean, I can't wait to get back in the studio again. Yeah, I bet. Folks. Yeah. Without yeah. mask. Without mask, but um, or with them. I mean, obviously, if I'm singing, I need to like not wear one somehow. <laughs> just be away from everybody. But um, so Aaron Harden on piano, Dokun okay on guitar. Uh, Dokun is um, a Nigerian guitarist. He's he plays jazz and he's based here now. Um, Biscuit Bynum on drums and uh, Tone Whitfield on bass. Tone plays a lot with uh, Bilal. So I, I really dig my arrangement. Um, so I, in, in, in my version, the piano plays the role that the guitar did in the original. And so in the mix, I tried to establish um, the relationship between the lead vocal and the piano. So it's like they're in, they're constantly in conversation. And so the lyric, I treat it like, you know, like me speaking in a conversation and the piano, like he was responding during the solo. So it's just like a, a very like sad, but happy, romantic. It's a, it's a ball of emotions, like musically. And it's, it's just beautiful. Like, I, I love all the, the music in the music. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so as someone who works in audio, how is your creative process unique compared to other art forms? Hmm. So by other art forms, you mean 
like painting, sculpture, something? That's a good, so I think that's a question that requires me to have some knowledge of about those processes. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I would imagine that a painter or a, a sculptor is uh, intimately involved with the um, minute details, like a paint, like I might see, you know, a can of paint and say, oh, that's red, but maybe a painter will look at that paint and say, oh, there's some orange over here somewhere. When the light hits this corner, there's some pink. I don't know. Again, I'm not a, a painter. Pretty but accurate. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but when I, um, you know, especially when I get a session to mix for, you know, another artist, I, I think I hear all the different colors, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And I definitely uh, just take the time to, to listen to all of them in their raw form before making decisions about what to do with them. And then also I try to listen to what the, the artist wants, uh, what their preferences are, and, you know, matching those with what I know needs to be done technically, it usually means that the finished product is something that the, the client, that the artist really, really loves and can't wait you know, to, to put out into the world. Nice. Mm -hmm. So does your personal work influence your academic research? Oh yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. Um, so as a matter of fact, you know, I really cannot speak on it now, but I'm, I'm actively involved in in some research that should um, impact positively the uh, virtual working conditions of uh, musicians like myself. So, awesome. Uh, um, can you briefly explain the two focal points of your research, uh, blockchain and sonification? Sure. Well, you know because I'm really surprised you asked this question. <laughs> so just briefly, uh, when we're talking about sonification, we're essentially all we're doing is mapping data or information to different sonic parameters. We're, we're hearing data. That's like in a very, very small nutshell, just being able to hear information that normally we wouldn't, right? Um, you know, the easiest way to, you know, draw attention or create some context around blockchain for the listener is to talk just about, you know, Bitcoin, and that's probably the most popular application of blockchain technology. Uh, so I don't know how much more you want me to say on that. No, I, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I will point out that uh, my producer, Maddie, is the one who came up with these questions. Oh, and, hey, Maddie. Uh, I had to Google them myself. So um, yeah, sonification, I kind of understood yeah. a little bit. Blockchain was was a new concept to me, so. Um, yeah, it's new for a lot of people. I mean, we're just we're essentially talking about uh, a ledger, a record of transactions that's widely distributed, right? And there are many, many, many computers that help to facilitate these transactions and make sure that they're uh, secure, right? And these transactions happen across a very, very uh, broad network. And you can, you know, not only exchange information on the blockchain, but you can also exchange like currency. And there's just so many potential use cases 
uh, for the technology. And I think we're still in a space where everybody's trying to figure out how, uh, how to broadly apply the technology in a way that really makes dollars and cents for people beyond just cryptocurrency. Yeah, because all I know about Bitcoin is hackers always ask for it when they wow. hijack something or that's, <laughs> that's what you have to use to buy drugs on the internet because that's what a student told me eight years ago. I was like, I don't wow. know what Bitcoin is. So wow. there, there's Bitcoin <laughs> is pretty, um, I don't know. I don't know how to buy or mine Bitcoin. Or oh, whatever so you know maybe. a little bit. Yeah, okay. You know, you have some terms. So, I mean, okay, take the hackers out of it, right? I mean, people vilify Bitcoin because they hear hackers uh, oh, you know, totally. asking for it. But, I mean, how much fraud is committed using the U.S. dollar? Oh, Let's yeah. be real. So, I'll just say that it's, a, it's just a system you know, for exchanging, um, for exchanging value from person to person without the traditional intermediaries like, you know, banks. So that's, it's, it's, think of it this way. We've been sending letters, uh, notes, contracts to each other, via email, right, over the internet. Same thing, but money. Yeah, no, I I, I understand the, the fundamentals <laughs> of it. I just don't, I think I'm too stupid to be able to figure out how to get it. No, <laughs> no, no, don't, uh, you, you can get it, you can get it. But that's, I think that's where there's a lot of opportunity for um, someone to really make it simple and plain, not to say simple as in the talk down, but for somebody or some entity to come in and say, look, we're going to make this as easy for you as your bank does, except we're not going to be a bank because that would take all the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, there, wa there was like a, a, a kiosk at Walmart like five mm -hmm. or six years ago where you could go mm -hmm. and transfer money to make it Bitcoin to they're very they're very popular coin uh what are they called uh Coinstar you know those machines when you go to the oh, grocery yeah. store you put in? yeah those so now uh in the DC area especially you can like just bring your your big water cooler full of coins and pour them into the machine and you can buy Bitcoin with them instead of yeah instead of going to the register and getting dollars like you can have Bitcoin added to a Bitcoin wallet for you. Do you buy things on the internet with Bitcoin? Do you, I don't. No. Are you are you a pro Bitcoin? Are you just mining the Bitcoin and keeping them, and you're going to be rich one day and laugh at everybody I, like Scrooge McDuck jumping in? I don't know how you jump in Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm definitely um, for the development of this technology. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I just don't understand how to get it. I think that's where I can help you out offline. So. <laughs> yeah, it seems like every time I do research on it, it's like, I don't know, the biggest nerds in the world, write The write The how to it's like, you got to get 47 computers and turn them all on at 215 AM. And then you'll you'll have mined your first coin. So I, I don't know. I also looked way before 
like the prices of Bitcoin went up. So mm -hmm. if I would have followed through, I could be a zillionaire right now. I'll just <laughs> say, if you're talking about it now and you're interested now, and this is, I, I really feel like this is the beginning of something very interesting um, in the world of, you know, not even finance, just in, you know, the way we exchange information and, and yeah, the way we exchange value. So, um, and it, in many ways, like it, it definitely feels like the beginning. Like, I don't know if you remember the first time you used the internet, but I do. I remember I was in seventh grade. I was at Alice Teal Junior High School in DC and I went to the library and there was this computer. I didn't know like, I mean, I really didn't know what to do. I just started pressing, <laughs> pressing things and it was like super intimidating. And then I saw something pop up on the screen. Um, and then now, you know, fast forward, you know, our whole lives, our whole lives are here. So that's kind of how it feels um, to me. It's like, we're very, this is very much the like floppy disk era. <laughs> I think, I mean, I really feel like that's what if this is, um, and I could be wrong, I could be wrong. Um, but whenever I read up about what's happening in the space, I think about, you know, uh, early Jeff Bezos, right? I mean, not just within the, you know, lens of, of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, but even like myself uh, and my goals, I often think of myself as like a early Bezos, right? Just in the garage, very passionate about something, focused on one, one product, like one, one goal, right? And learning basically what everybody in the space, everybody interacting, you know, with me or you know my product needs. And I feel like you know the, the blockchain, crypto, whatever you want to call it, like the space is definitely there right now when we're learning what the needs actually are and how to best answer them so it's really great to you know be doing research that combines sound and and blockchain i look forward to, to seeing what you come up with because I'm I'm just imagining you in the Scrooge McDuck in like five years. So <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where he yeah, like jumps, I used okay. to love that movie. Like yeah, the that's old like the I, dream. I used to love that movie. Yeah. Now that I go back, like now because Disney Plus, you know, allows you to watch all your all your old favorite movies, right? There's just so much there's so many terrible things about that movie now. You can't get away with it today, but now you watch things with adult eyes and it's like, oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no! Oh, oh! I can't believe I used to watch this and enjoy it. Like, <laughs> um, what is it? HBO Max just came out, and I, it has all the Fresh Prince episodes on them. Uh, so I, I just like binge watch that. I mean, they're like twenty-two minutes, so you can uh, watch like thirty of them and mm -hmm. and not move. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I noticed it. It's very contemporary. Like mm -hmm. for being twenty twenty-five years old, everything still holds up. Except some of the sexist jokes that they kind of yeah. threw in there that I didn't realize when I was a kid, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but as far as like the content that the show really holds up. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, just some of the some of the 
mid nineties humor you can't get away with now. Um, I watch a lot of eighties movies, you know, grew up on eighties movies and I'm just like ashamed to even talk about them. It stings, right? It's just like, yeah. Like I've watched that a hundred times. I watched Teen Wolf the other night, right? Like I, I, I watched Teen Wolf and I just kind of like, okay, the movie's bad, but I knew it was bad when I was a kid. But just like some of the, the jokes and the humor and some of the stuff that goes on, I'm just like, oh, why did I just watch that? Like every day when I was a child, how did I turn out semi-normal? Um, right. So, um, yeah. But you know, I, it, it's very interesting to me how far we've come and maybe you know back then folks didn't know we needed to like take this walk toward wherever we are now and Mm -hmm. even being here feels like god there's so much work to do there's i mean even with a lot of the racial tension like in in the marches and having to explain to people there's a difference between protesting and rioting like talking to my elders like i talked to my my great aunt she's she just turned like 91 a couple months ago and I asked her how she felt about everything that was going on. And she was like, I, you know, basically we've been through this time and time and time again. It's the same stuff, but, you know, it's a different, very different era. Like she told me stories about um, when, when she was younger and like people used to try to steal land from her parents. And so they used to have to sleep with the deed to the land um, under their mattresses, right? Yeah, like when they have, they would have to sleep, you know, with protection right next to them just in case. Because it was, I mean, there was no internet back then, so right. all you had was this piece of paper that showed that you were the rightful owner of this these several acres of land, and you know, my family's still on that land today. Um, but it could be a very different circumstance if somebody had, you know, just stolen that document. And they were, I believe, I believe they were sharecroppers okay. for a while. And then like, you know, came into ownership and I mean, they fought, they fought for everything. They fought for everything. And people tried to steal that. Mm-hmm. And so just for, for her, like she's, I love her to pieces. She's still very young in spirit. I was joking with my sister. Like she's she's so old that when she was a she was a little girl, she was not allowed to wear pants. Like that's this is the era that she came from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just listening to her talk and like be very um, inspired by her her resilience and you know persistence but also very, very just saddened by the fact that, you know, this is just for her, it's just a cycle. It just, it just keeps happening. Oh, and I'm really ready for that cycle to not repeat itself. Like yeah. maybe this time, maybe this is the end of it. Maybe, I don't know, but I hope it is. I hope a thousand years from now, I'm not talking to my, you know, great nieces, great nephews saying, yeah, back in, back in 2020, it was wild. Here we are, you know, again, talking about the same stuff. Yeah. And I mean, very tangential, but yeah, I'm, I'm what 42 and I, you know, I, I've seen this time and time again in mm-hmm. my lifetime. Um, and you know, I, I, we've been ready for change and I hope 
that everybody kind of takes it seriously and, and pushes things forward. I don't, you know, I don't think everything's going to change, but I think we need a starting point. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's crazy, you know, you're thinking about 2020, it's been a crazy year. I was just outside Colorado. There's all these fires, forest mm. fires going on. I was just outside on my back porch and it's like, there's ash everywhere. Really? Yeah. It's just like coming in and it's supposed to snow tomorrow. It's 95 degrees and it's going to be 30 degrees tomorrow and three to six inches of snow. How? Yeah, it's, Colorado's dumb. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting stuck in D.C. in a blizzard in 2001, Oh, yeah. Snowmageddon. Was that yeah. Snowmageddon? I don't know. They seem to come up with new names every time. I was, li <laughs> I was living outside of Philadelphia and then was driving back to my parents' house because after a week with being stuck with your roommate who you are not huge friends with, yeah. uh, you know, when you start reenacting uh, – hanging somebody hanging vanilla ice off the uh <laughs> you know what i'm talking about right suge knight no. hanging vanilla ice off of uh a balcony to sign over some music rights no oh. what's that from that's real life <laughs> that's real life yeah, that suge, happened? yeah suge knight hung vanilla ice upside down apparently and made him sign over some music so suge knight was not a nice guy um wow but yeah, I got stuck in D.C. Um, for a, few, a couple nights because they closed down everything. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. staying at a crappy hotel, eating crappy food from a vending machine. Tasty that was, though. So. That was 2002 because that, that was my freshman year of college. Okay. I was in school in West Virginia and the snow, I had never seen anything like that. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was wild. Yeah, I moved up there 2001, so it would have been 2002. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. I, I just remember it just not being for me. I'm not a huge <laughs> snow person, but just being stuck. And I didn't really know anybody up there, so I just remember being stuck. So maybe, hopefully tomorrow, we don't get a crazy blizzard. September, what is it? September 8th will be the date. Um, mm -hmm. September 8th blizzard, I think. Hopefully it'll just be three inches and will go away by the afternoon. You supposed, to, you're supposed to get accumulation? Oh yeah, three to six inches is what they're saying. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is literally 91 degrees outside right now. <laughs> Somebody should do like a, a time lapse of all like the clouds rolling in and like with the, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, ho I'm hoping it puts out the fires. That's what I, you know, yeah. I think that'll be good, so. Mm -hmm. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for being on the <laughs> podcast today. Hey, thanks. I forgot this was an interview. We're just having a conversation. Yeah, thanks, that's Rob. that's pretty much my life. I just talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where can everybody find you on the internet? I am all over these interweb streets, but mainly on Instagram. You guys can follow me at uh, Carolyn Malachi. C A R O L Y N. M-A-L-A-C-H-I. Uh, Twitter, it's at Carolyn underscore Malachi. And then, you know, wherever you listen to music, chances are my music is there. And I hope you will stream and share my newest release, Poetry Man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate thank your you. time. Right. I appreciate you. Bye-bye.
Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. You can find links and images from today's guest on our website at rimcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. Make sure you subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Neely Patton, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible.